الله الرحمن الرحيم These are two muraqabas that are mentioned here in order to help a person maintain the love of Allah Ta'ala. So one is acquiring the love of Allah Ta'ala, acquiring whatever is meant to be acquired, but then these become the issues that can deprive a person. So these muraqabas are, help to, uh, are to help a person from saving that situation coming up that he loses what Allah Ta'ala blesses him. Muraqaba number one, the ayat of the Qur'an Sharif, مَا أَصَابَكَ مِنْ حَسَنَةٍ فَمِنَ اللَّهِ The first muraqaba is as follows, whenever one performs any good deed, then one should not consider it as one's own achievement and perfection. One should consider it to be a bestowal from Allah Ta'ala. This is not some imaginative fantasy, Rather, it is a reality. Allah Ta'ala says, مَا أَصَابَكَ مِنْ حَسَنَةٍ فَمِنَ اللَّهِ If any goodness reaches you, then it is from Allah Ta'ala. If one performs any good deed, such as giving a brilliant lecture or speech, writing a good article or book, being able to teach in a good way, propagating and doing tabliq, guarding the eyes and the heart from unlawful beauties, spending money in Allah Ta'ala's path, etc., then one should not consider it as one's own accomplishment and masterpiece. Rather, one should regard such achievements to be the bestowal and endowment of Allah Ta'ala, the sheer grace of Allah Ta'ala. So this then gives an example that manure is put at the roots of a rose bush. Now, if beautiful and fragrant roses bloom from that rose bush, then is this the accomplishment of the manure? If it were the accomplishment of the manure, then only foul-smelling flowers would have come out. But due to the fact that sweet-smelling roses blossomed from foul-smelling manure, is a clear proof that this is, in actual fact, the bestowal of Allah Ta'ala and His absolute perfection. So similarly, we have been created from Ma'im Maheen, a dirty drop of fluid. We are the combination of the father's semen and the mother's menses. Therefore, impure and evil actions are not far-fetched for such a creation, whose essence is from impure substances. Thus, if pure and good actions are carried out, then truly this is famin Allah, out of the sheer grace and mercy of Allah Ta'ala. Similarly, if sand or dust happens to shine brightly, then this is not the doing of the dust. It is the effect of the rays of the sun which are reflecting on the dust. If the sun's rays are removed from the dust, then the dust will immediately become dull and lusterless. These are things that, these examples and this reality, this ayat of the Qur'an Sharif, مَا أَصَابَكَ مِنْ حَسَنَةٍ فَمِنَ اللَّهِ These are all things that, for the effect of this to settle in the heart, it requires the same tafakkur, this pondering over it, this meditating over these ayat in the manner that has been explained here, that a person sits and ponders over this from time to time. That all this, and especially where shaitan starts whispering some things about a person's own achievement, this is something that a person starts becoming bloated over something, starts becoming proud over something. Those are especially the moments when this should be done, very deeply.
in this verse, ma asabaka min hasanatin famin Allah, that whatever good reaches you is from Allah. Allah Ta'ala has remedied the detrimental disease of pride and vanity. In this verse, there is a lesson for us not to consider any of our doings to be our own achievements and or our own accomplishments. Rather, any good that we may happen to do should be attributed to the bestowal, assistance and the tawfiq of Allah Ta'ala. It is the ability granted to us by Him. Just as a loving father takes the hand of his small child and makes him write something on a piece of paper and thereafter congratulates him saying, very good, how well you have written. This is exactly the case with our good actions. Allah Ta'ala grants us tawfiq and thereafter out of his infinite mercy attributes those very actions to us. So the tawfiq came from Allah Ta'ala. But this is Allah Ta'ala's mercy and grace that after having blessed the tawfiq to somebody, Allah Ta'ala then attributes that action to him and rewards him for it. But if that person takes it the wrong way, this is my achievement, then he will destroy it. Hazrat couplet that kar farma tu lutfe unka ham ghulamo ka naam to hota hai. The bestowal of tawfiq to perform good deeds is also his grace, attributing those deed, good deeds to us is grace upon grace. My Sheikh Shah Abdul Ghani Pulpuri Rahmatullah used to say that Allah Ta'ala says Jaza'am mir rabbika ata'an hisaba that a sufficient recompense a bestowal from your sustainer and nourisher. But how can the reward be unlimited whereas our actions are limited? It can only be said that this recompense is but his bestowal and grace. The ability to abstain from evil deeds, performance of good actions, remembering him, all of these are nothing but his bestowal, grace and beneficence. None of these actions are our accomplishments. One Buzruk has said, Muhabbat dono alam mein yehi jaakar pukar aai, isse khud yaar ne chaha, usi ko yaad yaar aai. That love has announced in both the worlds. Whoever the beloved has chosen for his love, only he shall remember him. That it is not that first we make any kind of real great effort to achieve anything. It is first the grace of Allah Ta'ala. First Allah Ta'ala shows his love on someone, then that person manages to take some steps towards Allah Ta'ala. It is not the other way around. Person thinks I made some great effort and then I achieved something, but it's more than a person can love Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala loves him. So this is the thing to always bear in mind. Similarly, whatever sins and mistakes we commit, then this is from our own misdoings. This is alluded to in the following statement of the verse, "Mama أَصَابَكَ مِنْ سَيِّئَةٍ فَمِنْ نَفْسِكَ Any evil which reaches you is from your own nafs. It is nothing but the rage, rebelliousness, boldness, foolishness, impurity and filth of your nafs. Allah Ta'ala enjoins good actions and forbids evil. To attribute evil actions towards Allah Ta'ala is kufr. Therefore, Allah Ta'ala is saying that whatever evil you commit, consider it to be your own misdoing and regretfully seek repentance from it. Istaghfiru Rabbakum. 
Allah Ta'ala has commanded us to seek forgiveness from Him. But why has He used the word Rabb, Narisha? The wisdom behind this is that every Narisha loves that which He nourishes and sustains. Similarly, the thing which is nourished and looked after also has love for its Narisha. It is for this very reason that a small child is always seen running to its mother. Because that child knows that this is my mother who is looking after me and nourishing me. Even if you raise an animal and look after and nourish it, it will follow you and wherever you go, follow you wherever you go, for it knows and senses that you have looked after it. By using the word Rabb, Narisha, both the love of the Narisha and Sustainer, and that which is nourished and sustained is established. By using the word Rabb, it is being said to us that I definitely do have love for you, but you also have love for me as well. Love is something mutual. Dono janib se ishare ho chuke, hum tumhare, tum hamare ho chuke. That from both sides the indications have been made. We have become yours and you have become ours. Allah Ta'ala is giving us hope of forgiveness due to the fact that He loves us. If we ask forgiveness from Him, then He will definitely forgive us. Innahu kana ghaffara. Verily He is extremely forgiven. Thus, why we should not have, why should we not have hope in His forgiveness? One Buzruk explains it in this way that if on the day of Qiyamah, if it was given in a person's choice that you are now going to have to give an account of all your deeds and all the wrongs that you committed, whatever is going to be exposed. The choice is yours that either we, meaning Allah Ta'ala takes the account, or we leave it to maybe your parents, whoever, that they will have to listen to everything, and then according to that, the decision they will make, but they'll make the decision according to whatever the rules are. It says nobody would choose on that day that anyone but Allah Ta'ala be the one to take his account. Because if somebody else has to hear all the things that he perhaps had got himself into in dunya, then nobody will tolerate anything. This is a clemency of Allah Ta'ala, that Allah Ta'ala tolerated in dunya, and inshallah will forgive in akhirat as well. But it requires this insan also to turn in sincere toba to Allah Ta'ala. Otherwise, if it was somebody else besides Allah Ta'ala that is going to take the account, then no matter what a person pleads, perhaps nobody will listen to him. This is Allah Ta'ala's grace and mercy. So while on the one hand, that fear must be in the heart, Allah Ta'ala gives us this great hope as well. Therefore, every good deed should be considered to be the bestowal of Allah Ta'ala, and every sin to be the misdoing of the nafs. One should be thankful for his bestowal and ashamed of one's own misdeeds. He who keeps himself between bestowal and misdeeds, Urdu, the words that would be, have been used, Ata and Khata. The person who keeps himself between is Ata, the bestowal of Allah Ta'ala, and Khata, his mistake. That he is hovering between this. On the one side, he is afraid of his Khata. But at the same time, he has hope on Allah Ta'ala's Ata, Allah Ta'ala's bestowal. He will remain safe from pride. And he who remains safe from pride, then inshallah, he will remain safe from ever becoming rejected from the court of Allah Ta'ala. So 
So his remaining between these two will save him from pride, that he's got his gaze on all his weaknesses, his misdeeds, that I got nothing to claim for, this is what I have. And at the same time, if there's something appears that there's some good that has come, then this is not mine either. This too is purely the ata of Allah Ta'ala. So what am I becoming proud over? What right do I have to boast over anything? It's all purely the grace of Allah Ta'ala. Muraqaba number two, to consider oneself the lowest of all creation. The second meditation to protect oneself from the detrimental disease of pride and vanity is to consider oneself to be inferior than the entire creation. This is obviously an extremely important thing, the aspect of keeping oneself clear of pride and bringing this tawazu in one. And this is the reality of tawazu. This is the essence and the reality of tawazu that one considers oneself to be inferior than the entire creation. Hakeem al-Ummat I'm worse than every Muslim filhal that is presently as for my present condition is concerned as far as my present condition is concerned and I'm worse than every disbeliever and animal as a possibility fil ma'al that as a possibility for the future if that is considered then I am possibly worse than every even animal in other words, this reality that this Iman is also not my achievement. One has to keep making dua for the protection of this Iman, effort for this protection of Iman. But keeping in mind that Allah forbid, Allah forbid, if this gets lost, then I am worse than every animal also. So meaning a possibility that this Allah forbid, if this Iman is lost on that note, then this could be a situation that a person becomes worse than every animal. So this should create, you know, that reality should be settled in the heart of a person, that this is totally in the control of Allah Ta'ala, and as a result, I cannot become proud over anything. There's nothing that I can claim, nothing that I can become proud over. Otherwise, Allah forbid, this pride becomes a means of losing whatever has been granted by Allah Ta'ala. So one is filhal, in the present condition, I am lower than every Muslim. A person sometimes might find something a little bit difficult to fathom. How does he think about this? How does he bring this deep down in his heart? He is performing his salah. Somebody didn't even come to the masjid. He passed the person outside and came. He came to the masjid. That person was standing outside there. He was even engaging in some blatant haram. And alhamdulillah he is not engaging in that. So how does he regard himself as lower than everyone? So indeed whatever is wrong is wrong. He cannot condone and nobody can condone what is wrong. But what is the inner condition of somebody, we have no idea. That person may have some quality, something within him, many things within him, which may become the turning point in his situation and he may gain the forgiveness of Allah Ta'ala and his life might come completely on track and he might become accepted in the court of Allah Ta'ala. We have no idea what he is currently doing, what we can see, that is totally wrong. 
but we don't know what else might be in him, what good Allah Ta'ala has loved in him, that when the whole thing is weighed, that good might outweigh whatever else is the situation. And this is the prerogative of Allah Ta'ala. To overlook something, to forgive somebody, we have no idea about it. So, and on the other side, if we are thinking great about ourselves, looking down upon somebody else, Allah forbid that particular aspect can become the means of falling or make us worse off than somebody who is involved in some outward sin. Somebody is involved in an outward sin and someone is involved in an inner sin. Somebody is involved in something that is done externally, somebody is, his heart is filled in some filth. That person is committing a serious wrong indeed, but at that time he's perhaps his heart is in regret. He's committing the wrong, which is wrong. For one moment one cannot condone that. What is wrong is totally wrong. But we don't know at that moment what the condition of that person's heart might have been. That he might have been in regret and thinking very, very low about himself. That How can I be such a terrible person? What am I doing? Now that is one person out there. And we pass coming to the masjid and thinking good about ourselves that I am somebody and look at this terrible fellow. Looking down upon him. Now if you compare the conditions of the two hearts at that time, who would come better off? The person who was thinking of himself as despicable, as lowly, with regret in his heart, with some remorse, there's every chance that that might become the means of his forgiveness. And the person proceeding to the masjid, but looking down upon others, thinking of himself as superior, then that heart is now immersed in takabur. It's immersed in looking down upon another Muslim, which is a major sin. So we will look down upon the sin, but not the sinner. We will despise the sin, but not the sinner. That little baby gets messed up, so the mother doesn't throw the child away. The child is still loved, but that mess is cleaned out, and that is hated. So the similar situation, that the sin will definitely be hated and must be hated. For one moment, cannot condone the sin. But the sinner, that we can never make any judgment in terms of the end result. We don't know our end result, and we don't know somebody else's end result. And neither do we know the condition of the next person's heart. And if our heart is immersed in pride at that time, looking down upon somebody, it could very well be that our heart... And his heart, if it's weighed on the scales, then his heart might come out far better than ours. So this, this is the manner in which this focus is to be made. And on, in that context, this is to be thought about, that in this present condition, I am worse than every Muslim. In other words, it is incumbent on every individual to believe that as far as my present condition is concerned, every Muslim is better than me, no matter how much of a sinner, drunkard or fornicator he may be. This is because it may well be possible that in spite of his sins, he might have such an action or good deed in his account, which is accepted in the court of Allah Ta'ala, because of which Allah Ta'ala will pardon him on the day of judgment. On the other hand, 
it may well be possible that I have such a despicable and evil action in my account, which has caused me to be hated and despised in the court of Allah Ta'ala, because of which all my good deeds have gone to waste and will be the cause of punishment on the day of judgment. May Allah Ta'ala save us all from such an evil misfortune. Amen. To meditate that there is a possibility of me being the worst of all creation, as mentioned above, is sufficient. It is not necessary to have the certainty and conviction that one is the lowest of creation. Rather to believe that this is a possibility that I am the lowest of creation is sufficient to save one from the disease of pride and vanity. Second, to meditate that I am worse than every disbeliever and animal as far as the end condition is concerned as a possibility, this is that the final result of my life is unknown as to whether I will leave this world with faith or disbelief. If a disbeliever leaves this world with Iman, then his entire life of disbelief will be pardoned and he will enter Jannah. As for animals, there is no reckoning or questioning for them. Therefore, as long as my life has not ended on Iman, Allah forbid, then I will be worse than all disbelievers and animals also. Thus for safeguarding oneself from the disease of pride and vanity, one should say the statement to oneself morning and evening. One Buzrug, somebody was passing by with his goat. He was walking along with a goat. So in a taunting manner, just to taunt the person, he asked him that, who is better? You are better? Oh, my goat's beard is better. So he was taunting him. He was just trying to make a fool of him or just hurt him. So this person replied, I don't know. He said, I don't know. Then he, after a while, said, if I pass away on Iman, then I'm definitely better. And if I, Allah forbid, do not leave this world on Iman, then your goat's beard is better. But now this spontaneous response, that he didn't get uh, carried away by this comment, he didn't fly into some rage. This was because this was a condition of his heart. This concern and fear was also there. And all the time this, this concern of protecting the Iman and the fear that Allah forbid this must not get lost. Now when this is a condition of the heart, then this will be the response. Then a person will reflect on what is his situation rather than reflect upon what was commented to him. So these incidents of the Ahlullah, this is something which actually is the condition of the heart that speaks on the occasion. Like that incident many times we discussed about that Buzruk who was walking along with some of his people and somebody from the upper floor of some building that they were passing by he threw some ash out of the window or the balcony. So now that ash came and fell on the Muzug. So now that ash fell on him, he immediately said, Alhamdulillah. So people were surprised that this is not an occasion to say Alhamdulillah. The Hadith Sharif it comes, Kullu ma asa al-mu'min fahuwa musibatun. That whatever 
inconveniences a believer that is a musibat. And upon a musibat, one is to recite, Inna lillahi wa inna ilihi raji'un. That is the teaching of the shariat, of the sunnah. So in other words, it was misplaced. This recitation of Alhamdulillah at this time was misplaced. But this was what was felt. Then fight from him that you are reciting Alhamdulillah on this. You are supposed to be reciting Inna Lillah. So he replied and said, I am not reciting Alhamdulillah that ash fell on me. So now the whole thing is the aspect of what was in the mind and heart at that time. He said, I am not reciting Alhamdulillah that I was now that somebody threw ash on me. I reflected on the reality that I am such a despicable person that I was deserving of fire having rained down upon me. So I made shukr to Allah Ta'ala, Alhamdulillah, that no fire came. It wasn't Alhamdulillah that ash came. It was shukr and Alhamdulillah upon this. That Alhamdulillah, what actually I was deserving, that didn't happen. That no fire came. Now that was the heart that was speaking. That was the condition of his heart. This constant contemplation that who am I, what am I, what I really deserve. So when a person keeps reminding himself of this, he keeps pondering and meditating over this, in time this becomes a condition of the heart. And when it becomes a condition of the heart, then these are the type of responses that come in the situations that a person is confronted with. May Allah Ta'ala grant us the ability to practice and bring into action what has been mentioned. These are some easy prescriptions to attain Islah nafs, the reformation of the nafs. This is also from the writings of Hazrat Masha Hakim Ahmad Akhtar Sahib Rahmatullahi. Hazrat Wala said that whoever practices upon the following prescription will inshallah attain complete reformation of the nafs. In fact, it is the easiest prescription for attaining it. Number one, Nawab Qaisar Sahib, who is the murid of Hazrat Hakim Ahmad Sahib Rahmatullahi, mentioned that he was in that gathering, he was present in that gathering, wherein Azizul Hassan Majzub Rahmatullahi asked Hakimul Ummat Rahmatullahi as to how can one attain the love of Allah Ta'ala. Hakimul Ummat Rahmatullahi replied, those who have attained this love in their hearts, humble yourself before them and attend their gatherings for the sake of your spiritual reformation, act upon their advices and abstain from what they forbid. Mawlana Rumi Rahmatullah said, Kaal Rab Guzar Marde Hal Shoh, Peshe Marde Kamile Pamal Shoh. Leave all your flowery talk and become a man of action. Lower and humble yourself before a friend of Allah Ta'ala who has attained perfection. In other words, leave all this he said and I said and you said, meaning all these just Kaal words, just lot of quotations but no action, that is not going to help. So leave all these statements and worry about your condition. But how will one become a man of action? By humbling oneself before a friend of Allah Ta'ala who has attained perfection. My Shaykh Shadul Ghani Sahib while teaching the commentary of this verse from the Masnavi said to me, 
that mal, which means, which means, this is a, in Farsi, in Persian, mal means to grind. So mal is from mali dan. Mal, rather wealth, is from mali dan, meaning to grind. That is, that's where the, that's why there is a sweet dish that is called malida. Because it is made from grind, ground bread crumbs. In other words, Maulana uses this word, meaning Maulana Rum Rahmatullah in the couplet where he says, Pamal Shaw. That, that humble yourself, he uses the word Pamal, which literally means become ground under his feet, grind yourself under his feet. That is, make Malida of yourself before him, humble yourself before him. Once Khaja Sahib Rahmatullah asked, is the spiritual effect in Zikrullah not sufficient to make a person reach Allah? Why is the company of the Ahlullah a necessary condition to benefit from Zikrullah? So, Hakimul replied, Take the example of a sword. The sword has the compatibility, to, has the capability to cut. But the condition is that it first must come into the hand of a master swordsman. Similarly, one will reach Allah Ta'ala through Zikrullah. But this will have to be done with the consultation of the Ahlullah. This will bring that progress. Because in this manner, he will then do it correctly. He will do it in the proper manner. He will do it in the way that he is supposed to be done. Otherwise, sometimes he could do it in some way which might not really bring that progress that is required. The prescription number two. Hazrat said that once he wrote to his Shaykh, Hazrat Pulpuri Rahmatullah saying, I have an immense feeling of love for you. The Shaykh wrote in reply, the love of the Shaykh is the key to all stages leading to Allah Ta'ala. The better and stronger the key, the easier the lock will open. And if the key is dull and weak, the lock will likewise open but with great difficulty. The love of Allah Ta'ala is granted in proportion to the love one has for his guide. And if one's connection to the Shaykh is weak, then the connection with Allah Ta'ala will likewise be weak. There is not a single example in the history that can prove that a particular person's connection with the Shaykh was weak and in spite of that, he still received the great treasure of Allah Ta'ala's love. These are things mentioned in the light of experience. So this is the general situation. If there is an example or two, that's an exception. You don't judge things on the basis of the exception. Things are discussed on the basis of what is the general norm. So somebody woke up one morning, these are realities too, or maybe in one day somebody became Hafiz of the Quran Sharif. Now that is something that has happened. There have been these occasions, somebody's karamat. But that's something which is not the norm, it's not the general situation. Now somebody else is now aspiring, I also must become Hafiz in one day. So now that is, he is trying to aspire to become the exception. He will have to aspire to do things with ease, in the normal manner, but ask for ease in it. He will, inshallah, do it more, perhaps easier than normally it is done. But to expect and hope that he should become the exception, he should become the karamat, that is now not the way things happen normally. Number three, consider oneself lower than everyone else and regard everyone else better than yourself. 
In other words, to attain this love of Allah Ta'ala, this is indeed necessary. That consider oneself lower than everyone else and regard everyone else better than you. Kimul Ummat Hazrat Mujaddid Tanwi Rahmatullah used to say, Oh Allah, I'm inferior than every Muslim filhal. And I'm inferior than every disbeliever and animal that's a possibility fil ma'al in the future. The explanation of the statement has already passed. Inshallah, through the blessings of this meditation, one will be protected from the detrimental disease of pride and vanity. And one who is protected from pride will be guaranteed protection from becoming rejected. Number four, if the demand is to cast evil glances or to commit some other sin comes about in the heart, if the demand to cast evil glances or to commit some other sin comes about in the heart, then one should look at one's appearance in the mirror. Look at what an appearance Allah Ta'ala has granted you. He has granted you the external appearance of the pious servants of Allah Ta'ala. Does this evil action which you are involved in or wish to get yourself involved in suit the external appearance of the pious which you have adopted? There is one incident of a person in the time of Alamgir Rahmatullah he was somebody who used to keep doing a lot of tricks and whatever else and deceive, be fool people in the sense that would disguise himself and now somebody would not recognize him and then now after a while he'll expose his identity and now because the person got so to say fooled, so he's expected to now give him some reward for fooling him. So this is the kind of things he used to carry on doing but he was somebody who was, he had some kind of Closeness to Alamgir also. So Alamgir Rahmatullah told him that he used to come and ask for some kind of gifts, some kind of help from time to time also. He says, you won't get any gift from me until you fool me. And his intelligence was known that he was a very sharp person. So this fellow tried several times, disguised himself in different ways. But whenever he came, Alamgir Rahmatullah the king of the time, he immediately recognized him. And despite all the disguise and whatever else that would have fooled anybody else and fooled others, but he didn't manage to fool Alamgir Rahmatullah. So when he tried and failed repeatedly, he said, no, this now has to be something now, some different approach has to be adopted. So after some time, he suddenly just disappeared from sight. And then he went away, came from a while and went away in some place in the jungle which is not far off from the main road but away from the city and he put one small hut there and disguised himself as somebody else and he started making a lot of ibadat engaging in a lot of zikr so slowly gradually people started passing and seeing that there's something different here there's some hut here people came to see MashaAllah, this is somebody out from everywhere, far away from everybody, engaged in this ibadat all the time. So, one person, two people, gradually this news started spreading. Anamgi Rahmatullahi was a very pious king. And he had great amount of love and consideration for the Ahlullah. Wherever he would come to know of some very pious personality, then he would go to visit him, despite being the king. So, this news reached him also. 
After some time, mashallah, there's one person there, he's just dedicated to ibadat, he's got no, uh, nothing to do with this world. So one day, Alamgir Rahmatullah was on some, going on some journey, and he was going to be passing this place. So he thought, well, this is some good opportunity to visit this pious person also. So in any case, as they were passing, he stopped, and he came into this hut. This person didn't move. Alamgir Rahmatullah sat in front of him, and now when he started talking some things, now he had already learned some things for the occasion too. So he started talking some higher things, some very deep things of the sawuf or whatever. So he became even more impressed. This person really seems to be a person of some very high rank. So in any case, now as he was waking up to leave, so he presented a gift to him. When he presented a gift to him, some money, this person he hid the money aside. So what do you think? We are the dogs of the world. Take your money away. So he was now even more impressed. Indeed, this person is somebody. So he nevertheless took that money and walked out. And he came in. Now, jumped onto his transport, whatever he was, that carriage he was traveling in. When he now jumped onto the transport and that carriage and now is about to leave. Now this fellow comes running out of the hut pulling out his disguise. And he says, now I fooled you, so now bring that reward you promised. So Alamgir acknowledges, now you fooled me. But then he asked him one question, he said to him, that, okay, very well, that reward which I had promised you, that I will give you so much, you knew what I want to give you. On this occasion, what I had offered you as a gift, was far more in excess of that reward. So, this gift you just hit away, and now you're coming to ask for that reward, which is much more, which is lesser than, what was promised is lesser than this. So, you just kept this for yourself. So, what is the reason for this? Why you did this? So, he replied and said, that at that time when you presented the gift to me, I was in the garb of the pious. If I just accepted it like that, I would have disgraced all the pious people. They just engaging in whatever they are purely for the dunya. Because I had no, you had no relationship with me, we didn't know each other, there was no friendship from beforehand in that context. Because I was a stranger to you, I disguised myself as a stranger, and now just on the turn, I'm just accepting this big amount from you, then this would have been that whatever I was doing was only for dunya. So I would have become a means of disgracing all the people of piety. So therefore, I avoided taking that at that time. I contented myself with the reward, which was a lesser amount. The Mashaikh very often quote this incident. All the Akabidists often quote this incident. And they would then draw this lesson from there, that when Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with the external appearance of piety, and then despite that, now that is supposed to become the stepping stone to make our inner selves also correct. But despite that, the person now blatantly is committing sin, he is not concerned, he is conducting himself in a way that now people are 
wondering what's going on with this person. So it's not just him, but because many a person won't know him as an individual. They don't know who he is. Some might know, but many might not know who he is, where he comes from or anything. But they see him in a certain appearance. So now if it's a non-Muslim, a disbeliever looking at him at that time, what he does, which is wrong to generalize in that way, he thinks negatively of Muslims. This was an individual, but this individual has got the label of Iman displayed on him. And now he's conducting himself against the dictates of Iman and Islam. Now it's bringing an impression in somebody's mind, not about him personally only, but about Muslims in general. Or if the person is a Muslim, but he himself is far away from deen. So now he's seeing somebody in apparently pious appearance, the garb of piety, the appearance of piety, but then he's seeing the person's conduct, the person's behavior, hearing the kind of talk of the person, and he says, well, if this is how the pious also conduct themselves, then what's the point in me even trying to change myself? I'll also still be the same. So, what has happened? That the person has disgraced all the people of piety. So, this is a lesson that a person should even respect that appearance Allah Ta'ala has blessed him. But this is a ni'mat also. It's also a ni'mat. But, when he discards this ni'mat or disregards this ni'mat, Allah forbid, then everything gets lost. So, this is the thing that is being mentioned here. That when a person is now tempted to commit sin, Hazrat is saying, look at yourself in the mirror and think about it. That Allah Ta'ala has granted you the external appearance of the pious servants of Allah Ta'ala. Does this evil action which you are involved in or wish to commit suit the external appearance of the pious which you have adopted? Say to your nafs, you shameless wretch, do you not feel ashamed of yourself that you are committing deeds of the devil in the guise of an angel? Then look at the mirror and read the dua which is taught to us by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Allahumma anta hassanta khalqi fahassin khuluqi. Oh Allah, you have beautified my external appearance, likewise beautify my internal self, that is grant me beautiful character and morals. Allah Ta'ala give us a tawfiq to bring all these things into our lives and grant us complete Islam and Tazkiyah. Allah Ta'ala fill our hearts with his marifat and his muhabbat and make us his true servants. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillah. Subhanallah alhamdulillah. Subhanallah alhamdulillah.